Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. A middle school music teacher accused of touching female students. I believe he's a disgusting human being. So why didn't the school tell police? I'm not going to comment on that at this time. For four years. They ignored these girls, our daughters. This week on Open Record. You trusted the school. I did, and I should not have. Why the victim's parents say district leaders still need to face the music. Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. We are investigative reporters breaking down the big stories, what it took to get them, taking you behind the scenes. It's the stuff we couldn't tell you on TV. I'm Brian Polson, and I'm joined this week by Open Record's executive producer, Sarah Smith. Hey, Sarah. Hi. And Contact 6 reporter, Jenna Sachs. Hi, Jenna. Hello there. So we are recording this episode on Wednesday, June 21st for release on Thursday, June 22nd. And by the time this episode is released, the story, uh, my latest investigation will have aired on Fox 6 News. The central figure in the story is a man named John Rash, a former band teacher at East Troy Middle School, where he taught music for 20 years before he resigned in 2022, last year. The cause for his resignation is now the subject of a criminal sexual assault case in Walworth County, but it's how the school district handled the underlying allegations that prompted four families of the victims to reach out to the Fox 6 investigators. So before we get into how the school district handled it, can you give us some background on what he's accused of doing in the first place? Yeah, and this goes a long way back. I mean, it goes all the way back to at least 2017 when we know of the first student. So a middle school student, this is a middle school band teacher, and I believe it was a sixth or seventh grade student who went to her school counselor and said that the band teacher had been brushing his hands up against her chest during music lessons. They would have these private lessons, kind of the way we're seated here. If you're watching the video version of the podcast, I'm in the middle. Imagine John Rash is me and you are the two students. He would sit closely to them in sort of small group lessons. And this student told the counselor that he would um, try to reach over and help her with her trombone. She would move the slide back and forth and rub across her chest. And the uh, student said... Uh, and her mother tells us now that the school at the time told them they looked at video surveillance and it looked like an accident. And so this is a 12-year-old girl who has an authority figure saying it wasn't what you think it was. The school counselor, and we don't talk about this in the story, but the school counselor actually asked this 12-year-old, do you want to say this was sexual assault? The mom tells us now that her daughter didn't know what that was. It was kind of a scary term. Mm -hmm. And here's a teacher or a, 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 an authority figure telling you, we already watched it and it wasn't much of anything anyway. So sure. she said no. Right. Um, and, and that sort of was left at that. It was about a, a month or two later that another group of girls came. They, they, they start talking mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. they say, well, he does that to you, too. And uh, well, that happened to me, too. And then four more students went into the school counselor with similar stories of Mr. Rash brushing up against them during lessons as he's conducting and his hands come out and would touch them or reaching over and helping them with sheet music. Um, they also told stories of him telling inappropriate jokes and, and all sorts of other things uh, that made them uncomfortable. Uh, some say he would tap 
their thighs with his hand to keep the beat of the music. And um, they were touching their hair, things like that. So enough of them, they all went to the school counselor and complained. And then the parents say they heard nothing and nothing really seemed to happen. So when the allegations first came forward, so 2017, 2018, but then he, John Rash wasn't charged until 2022. So what, what, where's that lapse in time? Yeah, it's, it's a huge span of time because they're coming forward in, in, you know, think the group of them comes forward in January of 2018. And I almost imagine if you're sort of school staff, one student comes forward and says a thing happened and maybe you do genuinely think, okay, this is a misunderstanding. Why would the teacher do something like that? Four more students come forward. Okay. This is kind of a bigger deal. Um, Four more years pass, he's still teaching. He's still teaching small group band lessons, summer band lessons, private lessons. And the parents involved are growing more and more concerned that nothing's going to happen. The school doesn't seem to be taking this seriously. Um, We come to find out, and you'll see in the story if you watch it, that the school never told police what they had been told by these students. Even though they have a school resource officer who's right there in the building, they didn't tell the school resource officer. Hmm. So police never knew to investigate. They never knew there was something to investigate. The school instead handled this internally. They did have, uh, they did do interviews with each of the students. They did an interview with Mr. Rash, multiple interviews, in fact, and they would come up with sort of internal disciplinary, uh, you know, conclusions or recommendations. Like in one case in 2018, about a month after these students came forward, they said, uh, you're going to have to read this book on mindfulness for teachers and we're removing you from your music team leadership position. Um, but they don't tell the parents that it's sort of they're handling this quietly. So the parents internally. heard nothing. They heard nothing. They're they're just hearing investigations ongoing. And there may well be and they, they acknowledge there may well be limitations to what the school can say about a an educator discipline process. But and I don't know where the line is on that. All I know is these parents say we didn't know anything. We didn't even know they were doing that much. We no. didn't find out until much later. And on. maybe I'm jumping ahead a little bit. But, you know, we talk about how the girls kind of started talking with each other like he does that to you, too. Um after talking with the parents, did they say that they started talking with each other? You know, I mean, I know it's one thing for kids at school to talk, but as these girls are going to their parents, are the parents talking to each other too? I, I don't think early on that the parents, well, I, I'm not clear when okay. they first started talking. Certainly more recently and in the last sure. couple of years, many of the, I asked them, uh, here's the four groups of parents together in this small community. East Troy is not a, yeah, a, a, yeah. a big community. So you can imagine it's already a, a small group. And, and they said, you know, we weren't necessarily all friends before, but they've become close now because of this case. Um, where along the way that sort of happened, it's not clear to me. What I thought was interesting in talking to the parents was even they maybe early on didn't recognize just how serious this was. And in each case, they let their girls, their girls said, we want to handle this. We want to talk to the school. Mm-hmm. And they said, we're proud of you for coming forward. And OK, great. But of course, the parents wanted to hear. OK, so so what's happening? And they would talk to the school and they weren't getting much information. It wasn't until actually the end of the 2018-2019 school year. So now we're a year and a half after this group came forward that one of the parents says, so you're you're telling me he's still teaching and he's still going to be doing summer lessons. Nothing's happened. So he wrote a five page, he and or his wife, the, the one family, wrote a five page letter and sent it to the Department of Public Instruction and said, Here's what's been going on. Here are the allegations. Would you please do an independent third-party investigation? 
And at that point, DPI opened a case. So what happened with that case? Well, Was it an, quick? Was it slow? No, that's another piece of this where you have the school district for a year and a half doing things behind the scenes that the parents don't really know about. They don't see results. Um, they certainly don't see anything changing in terms of uh, Mr. Rash being off the job. I, I should back up and say one thing did change. He did agree to space himself out more when doing these small group lessons. And one of the parents says he actually sarcastically said to her daughter, um, you know, am I far away enough now yet? Um, mm -hmm. In a way that certainly made her feel, mm -hmm. you know, obviously bad about that. Right. Um, but they didn't see anything in terms of discipline that they, they were aware of. In 2019, the school did suspend him for three days for the touching allegations in addition to some other things. He was also accused of some sort of bullying and humiliating of students. He had one student who couldn't perform in a concert, um, stand in the front of the room, and he told the whole band how disappointed she was and she was letting – or he, he wasn't her. And he was letting – she was letting the whole band down. And he made her stand there in front of the whole band while they performed, mm -hmm. and apparently she was in tears. Mm -hmm. um, and so he was found uh, – you know, they, they found that he had engaged in what was essentially bullying behavior, yeah. although the school parts their words. They said it wasn't intentional, but the impact – uh, that it had was 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 the same. So in 2019, they suspended for three days. The parents haven't seen the results of any of this, so they go to DPI, and they're hoping now we're going to see action. DPI says right away we're going to open a case, and they do, and they notify the school district we're opening a case. There are allegations that students have had their breasts brushed over by this teacher, and then time goes on, and nothing. Mm -hmm. They hear nothing more for two more years, and at a certain point, these parents kind of gave up, and they thought this is over nothing's going to happen and finally in the summer of 2021 they get word that dpi wants to interview their daughters so dpi opens a case in june of 2019 they don't interview the girls until june and july of 2021 hmm. so and part of the thing too so in i think it's the criminal complaint i know there's a lot of working parts here um where it talks about and the parents were you know there was one set of parents or one of the moms who was upset by how they said oh the surveillance was that the surveillance video shows they were t uh, he was touching shoulders and clavicle and the you know the mom said my 11 12 year old doesn't even know what the word clavicle is yeah the the, the what becomes important in this case in terms of whether the school district did what it was required legally to do is what did the girls actually say when they came forward in 2017 and 2018? And the school district says, well, they didn't say he was touching their breasts. They said he was touching them in the chest, in the upper chest and shoulder area, or patting them on the shoulder and the back. And after, you know, when DPI finally comes forward and does these uh, interviews with the girls, the girls were very clear, no, we meant he touched us when I said breast I or chest, I meant my breasts. Mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, that's clearly what we meant. And, and they should have known that. And 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 each of the girls confirmed, no, we meant breasts and we were uncomfortable about that. The school district is insisting that they never made these complaints, um, that they never knew there was a sexual component to these complaints and that therefore they didn't feel that they were required as mandatory reporters to tell police about this because it was just. It was they were boundary issues, but it wasn't sexual. That's what the school district is maintaining. Um, the, the the parents and you know of, of these students say 
their students were very clear. I mean, they didn't all come forward because they were concerned about being touched on the clavicle. And as you said, the one, the one, uh, you know, parent said, my daughter doesn't even know what a clavicle is. Um, she probably said my boob. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even if they said chest, because you can imagine there's sort of a discomfort. Maybe you don't, oh, go, yes, you don't go to yes. your school counselor or your teacher and say, he's touching me on the breast. You might yeah. say, well, he's touching me here. Yeah. He's touching me in my chest. And also there's a question of at that age, how developed is a 12 or 13 year old girl. Maybe they don't think of it as their breast, but it's still their chest. Mm -hmm. Who knows exactly what the words were that were used, but we have to believe to believe that the school district felt they were doing all they were supposed to do. Um, We have to believe that they honestly thought five students came forward and were complaining about being touched above the chest area, but not on their chest. And that when they said chest, they meant clavicle and not breast. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think certainly the parents think that's hard to believe. Uh, and they think the school is trying to cover up for something. I want to take a step back and say one other thing, though, about DPI, because I mentioned it took them two years. It sort of raises the natural question, what took so long? Mm-hmm. And there is an email um, that was contained in some of the records between the school district and DPI that we obtained from the school district that indicates DPI had a shortage of licensing investigators. The person who was initially assigned to this case left the position and they didn't fill it. And then it's the pandemic. Right. And there may have been a sense that, okay, people are at least for a period of time, their school is happening from home. This isn't as urgent. Whatever it is, DPI did not prioritize this case. They didn't make it a high priority. Mm -hmm. And they did send me a statement just a couple of days ago that said, they blame their lack of priority in this case on the school district. They say the school's own conclusions from their investigation did not prompt us to place a high priority on this case. And then they they actually wrote, knowing what we now know, we should have placed a higher priority on this case. But they only knew those things because DPI eventually did assign a new investigator who interviewed the girls and they went, whoa, this guy yeah. shouldn't have a what license. came out of those interviews. Then? Yeah. So, so what- and I think that's just that's just the question is what came out? Well, the same allegations they had made all along came out in those DPI interviews, although now DPI had the opportunity to clarify. Do you mean breast? And they said, absolutely. I meant that all along. Well, and now they're older, too. Those girls, you know, they're they're Maybe they have more understanding. Yeah. Sure. The, and, and actually, if you know, right now, as we sit here today, these girls are all high school graduates. Right. That's how long this case has taken to get mm-hmm. to a point of there being for these parents some sense of justice. They're still waiting for the criminal court case to play out. And John Rash is presumed innocent, but he is charged with child sexual assault four counts. Um, he has lost his license. He resigned, but he resigned in the face of the state saying, if you don't, we're going to take your license away. Mm-hmm. And they were about to have the hearing. The girls were prepared to testify. And that, I think, also makes a statement. Every one of these girls, at least four of the initial five who came forward, said, we will testify. Wow. We'll go in a hearing and we will tell our story. And they are still We'll go into court if there's a trial. We will testify. We want him to be held accountable. And I asked the parents, why are their their, their children so adamant about this? And they said they believe there are a lot more. They believe he's been doing this for years and that they know they've talked to classmates who didn't want to get involved in this. They feel like they are speaking out for other girls who have been inappropriately dealt with by this teacher over the years. Have we heard anything from the teacher? 
did we try to contact him yeah. or did he speak with you outside of court? We, the only thing we've heard are the things he wrote to the school district and to DPI. And he says in those letters that he vehemently denies any sexual touching. He admits he may have made some mistakes um, that some of his the boundary issues in terms of, you know, touching people in areas that made them uncomfortable. Um, you know, he admits he, he could have maybe done a better job with that, but he, he insists none of that was sexual. Some of the other stuff, the sort of bullying type behavior, he's, you know, agrees that maybe he could have, uh, you know, done some things differently and that he's changed his ways, so to speak, because in the few years since these allegations came forward, especially since 2019, he continued to work. And he pointed out, and the school district would later point out, no new allegations like that came forward between 2019 and 2021. Um, so they say, you know, he... If if they set a standard that he's got to live up to, they say he lived up to it at that point. We tried to talk to him for this story. Um, he had an, uh, a court hearing that was, I believe, his initial appearance. It might have been, um, no, it was preliminary hearing. Preliminary. So we go to the preliminary hearing and the, and the gallery is full of students, including the victims and other supporters and families from the community. And there's John Rash in the courtroom. He's out of custody. And um, they have the hearing, the very quick hearing. He waves his preliminary hearing. And we are standing in the hallway with a camera, a microphone. There are two doors. One door goes in the front of the courtroom. One door comes out the side. And I can see them both. And we stood there for probably 15 minutes. And I realized the whole courtroom seemed to have cleared out. We never saw John Rash. And then I peeked my head back in the courtroom. He was gone. He never came out either of those doors, hmm. which can only suggest to me that the court escorted him out some sort of rear door down another hallway. Somewhere or another, he sort of slipped past us so we didn't get a chance to talk to him. So I went to his house and there was a car in the driveway. And so we got out and there was someone I could see there was someone in the car. We went and we tried to talk to the person in the car. Turned out to be his mom. Mm. And uh, I, she indicated she was his mom. And I said, would you please let him know that we're here to to talk to him about this situation, about this case? Never heard anything back. I've also left a voicemail message for him and not had a response. So we have not heard from John Rash. But we did hear from the victim's parents. So up until now, they had not gone public with anything. They've yeah. kind of just been trying to deal with this among themselves. So what prompted them to come to you? Uh, the day we covered that uh, that preliminary hearing, we had just received a batch of records from a public records request from the East Troy School District. And those records were sent to me. I mean, I don't typically cover your average court case on a given day. Um, and that was a story that maybe one of our daily reporters might have been assigned to cover that he was going to be in court. But we got these records and I started looking at them. And what really stood out to me in the batch of records we received was the time delay. Like what took four years to get this here? And as I started reading further and further through the records, you see the school district trying to explain why we never told police. Here's why we didn't do that. And Red flags are going off left and right for me that this calls for a deeper investigation. As I was talking to our news managers about that, one of them told me, well, you might want to see this email. We had an email from one of the parents who said um, when Amelia Jones, who uh, was reporting here at the time, had covered one of the earlier court appearances, this parent had reached out and said, you don't understand. It's not just about John Rash. It's about the school district. They covered this up. They let our girls down. You need to do more digging. So I reached out to that parent on the day of that story, and they said, we're not ready to talk today. We wanted you to know. We want you to look at the records. They sent me the full DPI investigation, mm -hmm. um, which was 80 or something more pages. So now I've got 140, 150 pages of documents to read through. And I said, OK, this is not all going to happen today. Um, and I, I asked that parent, I said, would you be interested in doing an interview? And they said, 
only if you'll do an interview with all of us. Mm -hmm. And I said, if everybody wants to talk, let's do it. So we, we got together at one of the parents' homes in East Troy, and, and we had to keep them in silhouette. Mm -hmm. We didn't want to identify them because by identifying them, you immediately identify mm -hmm. their daughters who right. are victims right. in a, a criminal sexual assault case, at least, you know, in, in terms of they are legally considered victims. Right. You know, obviously, it'll be proven whether or not they he's being held accountable or he, he's found guilty of that. The, the parents said they wanted to talk. And I said, well, why now? Why, after all these years, do you want to talk now? And they said, because John Rash is just part of the story. To them, the part that was being missed was the school district, in their view, didn't do what it should have done. And they believe that had it not been for DPI, who did eventually, even though it took them a couple of years, they eventually took this seriously enough to push back and say he should lose his license. And they are the ones who notified the Waukesha County, or pardon me, the Walworth County DA's office. And the Walworth County DA's office said, hey, East Troy Police, did you even know about this? And they said, no. And they notified the school resource resource officer who said, no one ever told me. Now police are suddenly investigating. And so the parents said, if it hadn't been for DPI, the school district would have kept this under wraps. He never would have faced criminal charges, and they wanted to make sure the public knows about that. Have you gotten any indication from the school district that they've made any changes or reviewed how they handled the situation? Not really much from the school district. I mean, they did send, when they sent us the open records uh, that that we that I received the day of the preliminary hearing, um, there was a, a front page of that that was referred to as an augmentation of our public records request. The school district essentially wrote up something in addition to the records they were sending us to sort of make their case. Here's why we didn't do anything wrong. Um, and in that one, they pointed out that it was the, you know, touching of the clavicles, not of the breasts, and that therefore they weren't required under the law to report this to police or to to social workers or anything like that. Um, had they known there was sexual touching, they're mandatory reporters, and not reporting that is in fact a crime. Mm -hmm. And the parents don't want to see them held accountable for that. They believe they should be charged with crimes. Um, but what happened what has happened since then, and, and, and I didn't even talk about this in the story because as you guys watched, it's already a long story, as many <laughs> of mine are. Um, so this is one of the pieces I couldn't get into. John Rash finally agreed to resign in March of 2022. Police actually first started investigating in the fall of 2021. It was right around December or January, December of 21 or January of 22, that the principal of the school Four years after all of this started, the principal of the school decided to retire. A few months later, the school counselor resigned her position and moved to another school district. The Title IX coordinator, who was also involved in some of this, resigned and moved to another position in another district. The only person left who'd really been heavily involved in these investigations is the district administrator, Christopher mm. Hibner. And that's who we went to try to speak to oh. at uh, a public meeting, and he declined. He said he's going to let the process play out in court. But the families say they think those resignations all coming in short succession after this became a police investigation, they think that smells fishy. Now, I tried to reach out to both Krista Iserloth, who is the school counselor, and to Peter Science, who's now retired. He was the principal. Neither of them got back to me. But that's certainly something that the family says they believe they stuck around. And when the heat got turned up, they think it looks like they, they, they you know, skipped out of town. Um, I can't say if that's the case. It could be purely coincidental. But that's certainly the way the parents view this. And, and, and they thought the timing was suspicious. So, you know, we kind of touch on it you know the last couple minutes we've been talking about a little bit but so the district 
says they didn't have to report any of this. So why? Why? Well, again, the, that, that question of since they since they're arguing that they didn't have reason to believe this involved any sort of was, yeah. sexual harassment or sexual assault, they don't believe they were required mm-hmm. under the law to report it. Now, one of the parents pointed out to me, whether you're required or not, don't you err on the side of caution? Your school mm-hmm. resource officers right there. If there's any chance you have a staff member who might be doing something sexually inappropriate, shouldn't you let the police officer yeah. know? Wouldn't that be maybe the, the, the that's what the parents argument is, is shouldn't you have erred on the side of caution? The district and the district's attorneys say they had no reason to believe this was sexual, so they were not required to report this. Mm-hmm. They did all the things they were required to do. And what really stood out, though, is kind of the if you ask the parents, the sort of the, the most frustrating, maybe the gotcha moment to them is that. In 2019, DPI notified the school district, we are investigating allegations that students had their breasts brushed over by this teacher, John Rash. That's June of 2019. In 2021, when the DPI finally says, we are going to seek a revocation of his license, the school district replies by saying, we've never heard of these allegations before. All we knew about was the touching of the the chest. We didn't know anything about breasts. This is the, they actually wrote, first we've heard of these allegations. And the parents say, and it actually said, we're confused and perplexed. Hmm. The parents say, how could you possibly, four years into this, be confused and perplexed about these allegations? Mm -hmm. Our daughters have told you this over and over again. And even if you're telling us that it was, you thought it was just the clavicle. You have a letter two years ago from DPI that said it was brushing over breasts, and you're claiming this is the first we've heard of it. That seemed to really be the thing that that kind of incensed parents the most. Didn't one of the reports come back and say there wasn't even there weren't even surveillance cameras? Yeah. So so back to to that piece of yeah. this, you have the one of the, the very first student who came forward. Remember in 2017, says that her counselor told her the school counselor told her. We checked the surveillance camera. The principal and I checked. It looked like an accident. So misunderstanding. She then speaks to the mom and repeats that. According to the mom, she repeats that, that, yeah, we checked surveillance. It doesn't look like uh, this was intentional. And the mom is sort of comforted. Okay, well, gosh, you wouldn't think something like that would happen at school. Um, after, you know, Four years later now, 2021, police finally get involved. The school resource officer says, hey, no one told me any of this. And they bring up the video surveillance. Well, have you checked the video surveillance? And he says there are no cameras in mm, East Troy classrooms. And the the mother says she was stunned by that. I mean, all yeah. along she thought they were telling her we're watching the surveillance cameras. And it turns out there is now the school district says we never told anyone there was a surveillance camera in the classroom. They're making that up. Um, they, they, so they dispute the allegation that anyone ever even said that. And I can't tell you whether they did or they didn't. I just know that this parent I interviewed says that's exactly what they told my daughter. That's what they told me. And it is in several of the reports that they've made these claims. They were told surveillance video had refuted any any wrongdoing. So for now, these are still accusations and allegations. Is there a trial scheduled? What's the next step? So the criminal case is still progressing. I believe there is still an arraignment to come um, in, in the case. And so that is still pending. Um, there is a question of whether or not this, the, the the DA's office does plan to pursue any criminal charges against any of the school officials, the staff members, the, the administrator, for not reporting this. 
um, for uh, a mandatory reporting violation. The police department in its report said that it was referring that question to the DA's office, and that was back in 2021. I asked both police and the DA's office, and police said you'd have to ask the DA. The DA has not replied to that. So the criminal case is pending. Whether or not there's any possible mandatory reporting charges is still out there. But again, John Rash resigned his teaching position and surrendered his teaching license under the threat of losing it based on these allegations. So while the allegations are still just that in criminal court, it was this line of of allegations that ultimately led to him losing his license. And that's a good time for us to go off the record. This is the part of the podcast where we get a little more casual and have a little fun by answering a question for which we have not prepared. And Sarah Smith is back this week to answer or ask us that question. Hello. Hi. Um, hi. <laughs> um, okay, here we go. Um, you win a million dollars after a friend gives you a lottery ticket as a birthday gift. That's how- the only way I'm getting a lottery ticket, by the way. <laughs> That's I don't fair. buy lottery tickets. But how okay. much, if any, do you give that friend? You won a million dollars. Your friend gave you this lottery ticket as a gift. Hey, here's a chance. Oh, so it was a gift, not like, hey, we're going in on this no, together. No, 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 no. It's birthday your birthday. Present, I give you, you some million some lottery dollars. tickets, maybe some scratchers, maybe a, a Powerball, and oh, you win a million dollars. Is there a chunk of money that you go, hey, Sarah, <laughs> thanks for buying me that lottery ticket? I mean, you probably should. Are we talking a million after taxes? I was thinking the same uh, thing. <laughs> Are we taking in um, a lump sum? I I don't know. Let's say a million, let's just, a million to take home. Okay, a let's just say you're taking home. home. Yeah, let's say you're taking home one million dollars. Because I think first of all, the question is, do you want to know what I would actually do or what I think I should say? Uh, I, I mean, what you would really do? I mean, I do think I would give them something because I do yes. think there is a sense I of think oh it my should god, be at least I'm six so figures. grateful. Yeah, if you're getting a million dollars, I think. Wait, sorry. How good is this friend? I like, the whole a really thing. Good no, friend? I'm just kidding. Uh, but I think uh, maybe like a tenth, an eighth, something like that, right? That's well, generous. that's math. Um, okay, remind wait, me to get uh, yeah. you a lottery ticket for your birthday. That's right. No buy kidding. me all the tickets. Um, but like Kale said, I so mean, we're talking like yeah. best friend or yeah, here's you know we're that's we're a million friends. dollars. It, it's yeah. tough though because because if you give an amount at all and the amount is really small, you look like seriously you gave me three hundred dollars you're a millionaire yeah, I mean, right. so that, yeah. well so yeah what's the amount that goes from you're a cheapskate and ungrateful to I, I wow do, that was I really mean, generous. this isn't money that you earned i no, feel like you need to give a them gift. a good chunk of it i mean it's it better be at least five figures like maybe <laughs> higher five I, figures my first, it's funny you say that because my first inclination was I'm probably giving them. I'm probably giving them fifty grand. Uh, okay. Okay. All okay. right. Because that seems I, I, like yes. I'm still getting most of it. It was my. You're gift, right. And fifty hey, grand. Fifty if, grand. If, yes. I mean, that's again, that's money it, I didn't have yesterday. It's like so. a store when when there's a lottery winner, yes. like a Powerball winner, win and the store percentage. gets like a hundred grand yes. or whatever they get out right. of it. So I feel like that would be fair. You get to a hundred thousand, and I start to that's think, what hey, I was thinking I've that's a, part of my money. <laughs> hey, my accountant says no. We've got to invest, yeah. and here's what we have to. So, I to me, fifty grand seems like a What's Generous, also going but- through my head, though, is, you know, you kind of weigh how f- you feel your friend's doing in life, right? Okay. So my mm. first instinct was 250, not 250,000. Okay, okay. But since I decided 100,000. <laughs> Actually, what I was thinking. Okay, too, Gail, I think hundred thousand. Wait a minute. Well, we've generous, now, well, we've but now also found is, being cheap. 
We've yeah. now found that Kale and Jenna are far more generous than me because I went to 50 yep. grand thinking that's nice. She's like, at least six figures. Yeah. He's like, quarter mil. <laughs> well, to me, you did not earn that money, right? It's not like you right. had to work hard. It's free money. You should probably be more generous with free money. Okay, but l l let me take it away from money for a second. Something that's not as easily divisible. You win a, a free car on a game show you wouldn't just go out and start giving you wouldn't give the car away to someone hey you didn't earn the car but you'd still want the well, car you can't you divide want it, up right? the car and it's yeah. not like your friend gifted you the game show okay that was a bad analogy but also like i guess it well okay this is not anywhere this, this is a horrible analogy but since yeah. i've started talking it's like i gift you a bottle of wine i don't necessarily as the gift er expect you to open up that wine and share it with me It'd be really great if you did, but I don't expect that. So I don't know, like if that was me. It's a life-changing thing. It is. Right? You know, it a bottle is. of wine. If at the most for me, that's going to be, if I want to say. If it's kale, though, I'm giving you at least a quarter of the bottle. Yeah, you're right. You know, I'm, we're opening it right there, and there's a tall pour <laughs> And you're giving for Sarah. <laughs> you're giving me I, half a glass. I, I'm, give, I'm giving you just a little, a little sniff. Just a sniff. <laughs> just enough to get mad. Well, if you want it, you have to make sure to hand over the wine key, you know as you're handing them the bottle so that kind of oh that's oh, yeah so you make it easy yes. to open right okay, then yeah so there's then, yeah okay then there's pressure i don't know that's that's a great question yeah. though because it is that that sense of like you said it's free money you didn't you did nothing to yeah. earn it but how so you want to be generous but how generous yeah. does it expose your own greed then like yes but Absolutely. i could have all of this <laughs> this could be mine and, and but I then, feel like I would hope I would be really thankful to that person because I feel like any sort of birthday gift traditionally comes from a friend who is close enough to you, you know, that, that they would feel the need to gift something to you. I don't know. So what happens if you get that lottery ticket gift from the friend and you win the million dollars, but you were at a there were a group of you who were out together when you opened the lottery ticket or whatever it was and found out you were the million dollar winner and there yeah. was a table of six. Does everyone else no, the table a get a piece? No, no. absolutely not. Okay. No way. No. Nope. So there's no like generosity by association. No. Like <laughs> you were there and it would sleeping. be a real bummer to get none no. of this. So I'm going to give you a hundred no, bucks. No, maybe I'll buy dinner. Yeah, we'd okay. take care of the tab. For yeah. Sure. All right. But not the tip. No, generosity <laughs> is, is tip. very specific. Yes. No. I, I, it is situational. That's a, that's a really, this is a good question. I like this question. Okay. Yeah, I don't even buy lottery tickets, but maybe I'll get you guys some for Christmas this year. You, you know, what, like though? a wink. I, now, not the not the Powerball type ticket, but the scratchers. scratchers. So for my fiftieth birthday, which I just had last September, a bunch of people bought me scratchers, and I don't yeah. ever buy them. And I have to admit, it was pretty fun because uh, again, yes. I have no investment in this. No. And uh, the first one that I scratched off, I won sixty dollars, and it felt so Ooh. amazing. I only won like six more dollars. I was going to say forty nine tickets later, but you were like sixty six bucks. Yeah, that was free money for That's me. So, money. and I did not give them whatever a quarter of sixty six dollars is. You did not. I did not give away sixteen or. $17. $17. So um, I guess I wasn't that generous. Do you know anyone who's ever won like a big amount of money? I feel like we no. work with someone who told me his family won. Okay. One of our photographers, his family I don't won know anyone like at one point. I didn't know them when they won it. Mm -hmm. But I, I, when I was in, I think I was in high school or shortly out of high school, we used to go to uh, Fairmont Park in Illinois, which is a horse racing track. And they have the, you know, you can bet on the horses. And it was fun because you could bet $2 on a horse and have a dollar beer in a cup. And it was a nice night mm -hmm. out. Um, so I could, could have been out of high school then because I was old enough to drink. So 
set that aside. I was That's at least another 21. episode. <laughs> um, in any case, it was it was my younger days. And I remember going to the track and, and I had some friends I would go with and they had one guy who was always going to the VIP window. Mm-hmm. And I finally asked, what what's the VIP window? Well, that's the higher dollar betters. And one of my friends said, yeah, no, his family won the lottery. So he wow. has a lot of money. And what I found from hanging out with that person who I didn't know very well personally is I think he felt the weight of that because everyone always was like, oh, he'll buy drinks, he'll buy dinner. And he felt sort of like I have to because otherwise I look like a schmuck. So he goes through his whole life and everyone thinks he's going to buy all the time. I think I I could imagine being a lottery winner in some ways would be a burden if other people know about it. Well, in Wisconsin, you have to show your face to yes. claim it, right? Yeah. I've, so, sometimes when I imagine winning the lottery, I go through this moment where I'm like, oh, how would I claim it? Would yeah. I have my husband <laughs> right. claim it or else people are going to be approaching me when I'm out that doing my stories. <laughs> Give me your money. Yeah. I mean, we, you've heard those stories of the people who they say the uh, winning yes. the lottery was the worst, worst thing that ever happened yeah. to them and that sort of thing. Sure. And you go, how could that possibly be? But I could see how it would change all of your relationships. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think about what, so I'm going to ask real quickly, I'm going to flip this around if you bought the lottery ticket for someone else who won the million what would you expect them (laughs) to give you six figures (laughs) (laughs) i would like to think i would be like oh no you don't no you don't have to give me no you you would say that because that would be the appropriate (laughs) thing to say but what would you be Now, I, I admit if that happened, I probably wouldn't expect more than 50 grand. Right. Because right. like that, I would think that's really I nice. I got something out of it. I would set my standards real low, yeah. But if they did nothing, then I would probably feel kind of like, wow. I then I would expect them to pick up every dinner that we ever got after that. Yeah. Well. What a cross to bear. <laughs> until then, we have no money to give away. So thank we'll you very much. Yeah. No. Yeah. We'll see you here next week. Um, if you have a topic you would like us to discuss on Open Record or an issue you think we should investigate for Fox 6 News, send us an email to fox6investigators at fox.com. Sarah, Jenna, thanks as always for being on the podcast. Of course. Yep. As always, thank you to the people who make this podcast possible, including our editor, Dave Machuda, and our chief photographer, Manning the Video Switcher. That is technical director extraordinaire, Kale Zimney. With that, I'm Brian Polson. We'll be back next week. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.